Hey friends, welcome to Boss Barista, the podcast about workplace equity and employee empowerment in coffee and beyond. I'm Ashley Rodriguez. Let's say you're trying to get good at playing the guitar. Maybe you're taking a class or you have a tutor. How do you improve? You practice. And a lot of that practice involves going home, sitting alone with your instrument, and taking time to work through every new skill or small snag. Maybe a couple of chords you need to work on, or finger placements, some tricky pieces of music perhaps. Now imagine you don't have a guitar at home. When would you practice? Would you get as good if you were only able to play at school or with your teacher? It's possible, but it's not likely. Now let's apply this example to the service industry. How do you get better at cooking or making pastries or making coffee? You practice. And in an ideal world, you'd have everything you need within reach, the space, the equipment, the resources, in order to improve day by day. Chris McGalley is the founder of Get You Some Gear, an organization that gives away free coffee equipment to marginalized baristas. The idea first dawned on Chris when he noticed a pattern. He knew plenty of baristas who were eager to learn, but who, despite their enthusiasm, were slower to gain new skills simply because they didn't have anything to brew with at home. Since its inception, Get You Some Gear has shipped hundreds of boxes across the United States, expanded its reach to Canada, and started a secondary shipping hub in Los Angeles. He and his team have worked with coffee businesses to fund grants, have helped folks with their resumes, and have created a system that normalizes mutual aid and redistribution of resources. Perhaps what's most telling about Chris and his mission for Get You Some Gear is that there's no expectation of reciprocity. You don't have to give anything back or commit to loan repayments or anything. You simply state your need, and Chris and the Get You Some Gear team, which has expanded to educators and organizers across the country, will do their best to get you a box. In addition to addressing the gap in equipment needs, Get You Some Gear also confronts the information gap. As Chris will talk about in this episode, many people have a tendency across domains and disciplines to hold information back, to hoard knowledge and not share it with others. In our hyper-competitive society, knowledge is often treated as its own commodity, an entity that can grant power and which must be protected. But when information is guarded, people, often people of marginalized groups, are left to scale the impossible barriers built by these gatekeepers. It's unfair, and Chris is doing his best to break down those walls. Just a quick note before we begin. I noticed a factual error on my part. About seven minutes into the conversation, Chris and I are talking about our early coffee jobs, and I mentioned that my first job had a Mazer Super Jolly Grinder the source of those clack, clack, clack sounds you'll hear Chris and I make later. I was misremembering. It was at my second job that we had both a Swift Grinder and a Mauser Super Jolly. At my first job, we actually had a Melkonig. I think it was a K30, which we were not allowed to change the dial-in on, and I conflated both experiences. Now, on to the show. Chris, I'm so excited for you to be joining me on Boss Barista, and I was wondering if you could tell me about some of your first memories of coffee. 
Well, hi Ashley. Thanks for having me. Um, you know, my first my first memories of coffee. Um, it's just how it's just how um, different people in my family prepared coffee differently. Um, so my mom is Puerto Rican, so she made a lot of her coffee in you know what I call the sock um, or like mm -hmm. a mocha pot. Um, but you know my grandmother made instant coffee and they put a ton of sugar in it. And that was like a different sensory experience. Um, you know, my dad just like wants his coffee to be as hot as possible and as convenient as possible. And so he just has, you know, the, the Mr. Coffee going. Um, but I, I just remember enjoying coffee with individual people in my family, uh, differently. And it was just really sweet to, to share those moments with them. Um, my mom is Puerto Rican, so of course I like grew up drinking coffee and eating Maria cookies. Um, if that sounds like weird to people, they're like, "Oh, why was Chris drinking coffee as a child?" Um, but so yeah, yeah, it was just very sweet memories. Um, I'm um I'm Cuban, so I have very similar <laughs> memories of um of of drinking of yeah just drinking coffee from a mocha pot. Um, Although a little bit mixed with what your dad wants, my grandmother will take her coffee from from the machine and then put she has a little espresso machine uh -huh. and she'll take the steam wand and heat the coffee up more. My dad puts it in the microwave. That's amazing. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> like 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 this isn't hot enough. Let's just go to eleven. I I made um a, a neighborhood friend and former like coworker and also just great guy dropped an espresso machine off on our porch and was like, we're getting a new one. You can have this one, which was amazing. Um, and my parents, you know, come for like social distance yard hangs and we'll make them coffee. And I always make my dad an Americano because, you know, I can control the temperature of the water. Um, wow. And he still asked me to reheat it. And I'm like, dad, this water is literally 210 degrees. This coffee probably tastes terrible. Like, <laughs> She still, still wanted to be hotter. Okay. <laughs> oh, he wants it to be like evaporating off his tongue. Apparently, I guess I don't know. Oh, that's wild. <laughs> what a dude. <laughs> uh, so, when did you start working in coffee? Um, I started working in coffee when I was in college in 2005. Um, I was going to Meredith College and. It's going through some shit, definitely. Um, my grandma died, and like I wasn't feeling like right at a women's college, um, and so I, I mostly like just lived there and worked at the coffee shop up the street um, for a semester, which was ridiculous, and I definitely paid for that. Um, but yeah, that <laughs> that's that's where I started, um, and you know, it's been kind of in and out of, of coffee and like the specialty grocery industry. Um, but all, all service positions. Yeah. So at what point did get you some gear become an idea in your brain? Um, so I was, um, managing my last cafe, uh, at my last cafe and we had, you know, I was happy. I happened to be managing at I don't know if I was managing at, at two of the locations yet, um, but I, I knew some staff at the at the our other store, like a sister location, 
Um, and they, they were so interested in learning from, you know, the barista trainer that we had on staff, um, because, you know, he was amazing and such a great teacher. So she, she came over, um, and I realized that and learned that, you know, she had been a, a barista and a bartender for a very long time, but, you know, didn't have access to, to coffee gear at home. Um, and that's, that's how it happened. I was like talking with Chelsea about it, um, on the couch <laughs> at my, my old apartment. And I was like, let's, let's see if we can get, you know, some gear for, you know, the staff. Um, and we got more gear than we thought we were going to get, you know, she shared it on her Instagram. I shared it on mine. Um, and yeah, I think that's, that's it. That's what happened. And here we are now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird. I don't even like, I don't remember where the shipping aspect came in. Like it just, it just happens. Things just happen. Um, but that's the, that's the story. <laughs> Something I wrote down before we hopped on the phone, as I was thinking about what get you some gear means is I wrote down, uh, the relationship between passion and access. And I think in the coffee world, we have this kind of almost obsession with passion that like people go to different coffee shops on their days off and brew coffee at home all the time. But if you don't have things to brew coffee at home, how do you get to express that passion? There are other avenues, obviously, but when we value this idea of like people experimenting on their own, if they don't have access to those things, then how are they able to do that? Yeah, it's, it's impossible. And you know, your, your experience with coffee at home as a coffee professional is like entirely different from your job, you know, your, your career or whatever. Um, you know, it's more intimate. There's no pressure, you know, there's no like coffee bro. That's like, no, this is like, this is orange peel. Like, this is what you have to taste. You know, there's, you're just, you're just kind of free to do what you want, but you, you have to have the gear. Um, and I, I didn't have, I didn't have anything to make coffee with at home besides a Mr. Coffee Maker until maybe a French press every once in a while. But until Chelsea and I started dating three years ago and she gave me, you know, she hooked me up with, with my setup and like it, it changed the way I felt about, about coffee at home. It changed the way I felt about coffee at work. Um, especially, you know, being able to take beans home and having stuff to, to brew them on instead of just giving them away as gifts. Um, so that made me better at my job. Um, and then I got to share that with other people. And so, yeah. I, that's, that's wild to think that you didn't have as like access to coffee gear until three years ago when you said <laughs> that your coffee career started in 2005. Yeah. It's weird. I mean, I was like, it was like a second wave shop where we had the like click clack grinder, <laughs> mm -hmm. the Mazer, like the really, really old one. And you know, there was no dialing in. We weren't allowed to touch the grinder. Um, so yeah, I, I, I mostly just had that job to pay the bills. It wasn't, it wasn't very interesting. There wasn't, you know, space to learn. Um, yeah, three years ago. Uh, my very first coffee job was also at uh, a place where we had the clack, 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 <laughs> clack. Um, and 
and similarly we weren't allowed to to touch the grinder uh you weren't allowed to dial in you just had to take it as it was so uh for the kids listening um (laughs) so weird um, it's so wild. I th- I feel like even that sound, the clack, clack, clack sound, people are going to be like, what sounds what, are they what making? <laughs> oh, here's another one. Um, we didn't really have toddy. We saved our leftover espresso shots and put them in a Lexam and put them in the fridge. And that is how we made Frappuccinos on an Island Oasis machine. <laughs> Yum. I remember I've... I've 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 a uh, similar story too. Um I think we kind of do what cold brew was, like we had heard about uh-huh. it, but I think we made it using these buckets from Home Depot and just like cheesecloth. Yes. Like just 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 straight up. It's like, "Oh, this is this looks like what that is." No, that's not how you make cold brew, y'all. Um I remember straining that first batch of cold brew and just being like, this is wrong. Like we're doing something wrong. We can't surf um, this. We can't surf this, you guys. Oh man, that was bad. That was bad times. Um, we've come a long way, Ashley. We've come a long way. Um, so I was wondering, this seems like an obvious question, but I was wondering if you could talk about it a little bit, but why is access to equipment important? And you touched a little bit upon that, but I was wondering as as you've seen get you some gear grow and expands like how have you seen people benefit from having access to equipment oh geez um in in so many ways like it's a confidence builder and i I can i can speak to that um you know folks reach out and they're like whoa like we didn't we didn't know that we could do this with this and now we're experimenting and you know there's that and then you know there's the folks that reach out and they're like oh hey like I went out for this position and I wanted to like, thank y'all because I, again, built, you know, built the the confidence, you know, because I had this, this gear at home and I was able to like, you know, feel like a coffee professional, whatever that, that, that is, um, you know, and then there's, you know, the, the coffee business owners that we've gotten gear to, and, you know, they're able to bring in more income, hopefully big because of the work that, you know, they, they allow us to do for them. Um, and so I think having, having access to gear is, you know, important for, for all those reasons and and probably a whole lot more. Um, and I'm really looking forward to, you know, seeing what that, that is as get you grows. Yeah. I think something that you hit on too, um, was the idea of of it being a confidence builder. So I was even thinking of the analogy that you used earlier where you can be in a cafe and you can be learning from maybe a coffee trainer or a coworker. And if they don't come in with like kindness and understanding, that can be so intimidating. You could be trying to like figure out the right answer. Like is orange peel the <laughs> yeah. answer you're looking for? Um, and if I don't agree with you, what does this mean? Versus being able to brew at home and really being able to discover coffee on your own terms. Yeah. Which I imagine is a huge part of building confidence. I, I think so too. And like, I'm glad you brought that up because like, that's, that's been my experience with, with coffee educators in companies that I've worked for. And it's, it's kind of weird that, you know, you go into a coffee company like I did. Um, and you know, the educator besides like, the manager of your shop, the educator is one of the, the first folks that you 
get to meet from the company. And so like, if you don't vibe like that's just, it just doesn't feel good. Um, and you know, so my experience with, with coffee educators that I've worked with is that they want you to know some things, but like not, not too much. And if, if you look different, um, then it's harder for you. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think I was reading in an interview that you did, I think with Sprudge, that when you would show up specifically saying, I want to learn or I want to do more, you were met with with that wall of like, oh, you can you can learn a little bit, but like, don't learn too much. Yeah, learn like, are you going to take my job? Um, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, bringing some things to, you know, folks in leadership at you know, places I've worked at and being like, Hey, like really want to do this for the staff. Um, you know, I want to, I want us to like make these educational materials about the different, you know, coffee processes and like, you know, you're, you're a buyer. So I want to, let's, let's talk about this. Let's make this a collaboration because like you also buy the coffee that we sell. So let's get it, you know, let's, let's sell more coffee. Um, so we can make, so you can pay us more. Um, but the, 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 the dude felt very threatened by that. Um, in a way that, you know, the energy that he was giving off, like he, he felt like I was after his job. I'm like, no, I I don't want to work with you. Um, (laughs) don't worry. Well, was that, that was, that was maybe, maybe that was mean. Um, no, that was perfect. Like real talk. I don't want to, I don't want to work with you, man. Like I just, I want my staff to feel fulfilled, you know, and like not be bored. Um, yeah. Pushback like that is, is so weird. Like, don't you want your, your staff and your coworkers and the people that work in your company to do better? So like, you know, you could pay your people more. Um, but it doesn't seem like that's that's the case. Yeah, that's always an interesting. I don't know. No, maybe it's not interesting. It's <laughs> dumb. Um, it but it's sucks, like a dumb. Yeah. It's it's like a dumb thing that happens where I think people don't really understand like why folks come to coffee shops, and it's because of baristas. And if baristas don't like their jobs, like you can tell. Yes. Like you can tell who here is like. I like being here and everyone treats me well versus like no one treats me well here and this place sucks. And like, there's going to be new folks like in the next two months. Um, I think about that a lot in terms of turnover, because I think that people, people assume that barista work is a very like turnovery type job, but I've been to coffee. I'm sure you have too. You've seen coffee shops where people have been there for a long time. Like it's possible. Yeah. So, Um, and we just keep fucking it up so much. I think my, you know, the last like large team that I was on was a team of like coffee veterans in that company, you know, like three years, four years. One of the, the, the guys that was there, that was a trainer had been there for like, you know, 10 to 12 years. And so I don't know if you, if you, you know, keep the staff engaged and happy and give them gear and you know give them incentives to learn more um 
and help them grow to a point where it would be okay if they left the company because like your intent should be to like help them get where they need to be wherever, you know? Um, and that would be great. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, uh, I feel like people don't think about their employees as like alumni of their coffee shops. Like they're the people who go out in the world and they're like, Oh, I loved working at this place or no, I hated it. And I will tell you why. <laughs> yes, that definitely happens. And, you know, I think, you know, companies and, you know, coffee business owners really underestimate the, the advertising value that your staff has. Like your, your staff could build quite a following if they're, if they're at a coffee shop for a long time. And that, you know, that comes with like good stuff and bad stuff. Um, but once that barista leaves, it's like likely that that customer or those that customer base will leave. Um, mm-hmm. we, we've seen that happen locally and it's, it's wild to see. And it's wild to see those customers that were like, Oh yeah. So about that place, <laughs> like right. this person's gone, this person's gone, this person's gone. So like, why, who are we going to like, why are we going there now? Like this is our community and it doesn't feel that way anymore. You know? Um, so on Instagram, you asked folks to talk about moments that radicalize them working in coffee. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about why you asked that question and what was the response like? Wow. Okay. Um, I, the like year anniversary of the, the like thing that pushed me over the edge to leave, um, an abusive work environment. Um, you know, it's, it's coming up on the anniversary of that. And, you know, I, I talk with, you know, Chelsea and Sally and Sydney sometimes, and, you know, we joke about it, but it's like, what, what was the thing? What was the, what was the company that radicalized you in this industry? Um, it's, it's funny. We all say this same company. Um, well, except Chelsea, but, you know, I, I felt like I wanted to, you know, I wanted for us to engage with the community because, you know, we've all gone through some really traumatic things, um, working, uh, in service and coffee and, you know, out of service jobs and, you know, sort of felt like it was, it was the right time to connect um, the, the response was, um, kind of, kind of emotionally overwhelming, but also, you know, wonderful and kind of beautiful to see that, you know, folks that have gone through such, you know, horrible things, were just willing to share. Um, and it definitely like, help me feel less alone in that, in that, you know, service industry trauma, uh, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, we hope that other people felt that way too. Yeah. I think that 
there's something there's something I've been kind of grappling with in my own brain about validation and how how important it is for people to both hear your stories and like see them and say like I see this and that sucks like just even giving that moment of like your story is real and it is hurtful and just to be able to see from that perspective because I think for a lot of people sharing their stories of trauma in coffee shops you're often the only person experiencing that trauma juxtaposed to someone telling you that you're wrong (laughs) Mm -hmm. so you you oftentimes end up in a place where you're like wait am I wrong I know I'm not, but everybody, like everything around me is telling me I am. And that's, that's, that's awful. I think that that, that can be, I don't know. I, I don't know what it can be, but I have to imagine that just being able to see other people's stories, even though they're it's emotionally overwhelming has to feel like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not alone in this. Oh yeah. And you know, sometimes, sometimes I forget. Sometimes we all forget. And I, I think it was like, it was an unexpected reminder, you know, that we're not. Um, but, you know, we also wanted, you know, the folks that follow that the get you Instagram to see what the hell is going on, like to see what's really going on, you know, and not have a space to deny that. Because um, if someone, you know, if someone hit up the DMs, we would shut that down immediately. Um, any kind of denials. but. You know, it's it's it was there in their faces, and you know, for the five seconds that a story is in front of your face, like I hope that that had their attention, um, mm-hmm. and I hope that you know, it's just the first step, the listening and the saying, oh, you know, that sucks, like solidarity, whatever. Um, it's it's time for people to start really acting and really, you know, doing the things that. They they claim they were gonna do when they posted those little black squares in their feeds. Um, I have to imagine as an Instagram account that does so much of the work that you do and being really visible about calling other coffee companies to action. You've also been watching people pretty closely and seeing like, okay, it's December now. Like, what does that actually mean for you? Um, and I don't really have a question for this as much as I have to imagine that that sucks. Yeah, it's, you know, we spent a lot of people on the Get You team spent a good bit of time, like, meeting with folks when all this was happening, you know, June, July. Um, you know, the meetings would be like an hour, two hours. And a lot of those folks that we talked to and you know, committed to being a part of this change, this thing that's, that's bigger than everybody or bigger, you know, bigger than all of us. Um, they ghosted, they're gone, (laughs) you know, like for, for whatever reason, um, you know, maybe we, we said something too controversial or maybe, you know, the, the commitment actually just wasn't there and it was completely performative. Um, but we're, we're not going anywhere. We're, we're, you know, pushing forward just fine. And I think maybe better off yeah it's like you know you like at least you have confirmation of like who's who's in it and who's not oh yeah yeah so i want to i want to talk a little bit about uh your rico conversation and i was wondering if you could talk to folks about what was the inspiration behind it and and what was it like giving it oh okay so 
I am a very serious Capricorn person, Ashley. Um, and this is my favorite. Thank you for telling me your sign. <laughs> okay, I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I'm mostly serious and sometimes like a little bit of a goofball, but I like to plan stuff. And so, you know, we wanted the the presentation to be, you know, in the front yard because you know we figured that people would be using their like their offices or their or like a stuffy classroom whatever um so we wanted to sit outside the wildflowers were really pretty um but I had this plan I had like a script and there were these things that we were gonna say and like you know I (laughs) I held it up like and was like talking with Sydney about it and you know Chelsea was there because she was filming my partner and uh I think Sydney and Chelsea looked at each other and they were just like, no, we're not like, you're not going to have a script for this. Like you don't, you don't need, we don't need a script. Um, we can just kind of wing it and brew the coffee and have a conversation. Um, so they made me throw my, my like planned script away and we just, we just went for it. Um, I, I don't really like, speaking publicly very much um it just I just I feel very awkward um but I felt like this was was an important opportunity to you know talk about the things that were or that are you know important to us for for anyone who maybe didn't um get to see your Rico speech could you give uh like a like a like a quick and dirty uh, overview of what you folks talk about? Oh, yeah. Um, give your staff tools and resources that they need to move forward wherever they want to be. Um, don't be racist was one of the the takes. Um, and Sydney just, she speaks so beautifully. She was just like talking about how like no one in her family, and I'm, I'm probably going to screw this up completely, but like no one in her family would not teach her how to take care of something in their house, you know? Um, and that's how business owners should, you know, think about educating their baristas and like equipping them with tools, um, giving them gear, you know, giving them access to information instead of like hoarding it and gatekeeping it like it's money. I don't know. I like the analogy that Sydney gave because there's like the implication of like you're in your home and your parents or your family members wouldn't teach you how to do something in your house. But likewise, your family wouldn't expect you to stay forever either. Like if you leave, like it's not like, oh, we taught you these tools just for you to leave. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when when Sydney talked about like, you know, her parents teaching her how to, you know, take care of the house and, you know, like that prepares you to, to do other things in life. Um, you know, coffee business owners really could have, you know, looked at that and been like, Oh, okay. This, this is a great analogy. If I take care of my staff, (laughs) you know, and I, I give them what they need and I, you know, teach them how to take care of everything in this cafe and I like compensate them fairly for doing so. Um, they're either gonna, you know, t- stick around and be great for the team, um, or they're gonna, you know, move on and be great somewhere else. 
yeah, I think, I don't know. There, that just speaks to like the a bigger idea of, of a, like of an industry, you know, if we care about coffee growing and being better for everybody, then we all have to kind of do our part in the small ways we can. So empowering staff is like, is part of the system. It's part of the making coffee better. So it's interesting when maybe I'm going to throw roasters under the bus a little bit, but I feel like they're kind of like the easiest target. Um, but like, no, not roasters, but like, but you know, when you like look at a roasters website and they're like, we care so much about like meticulously roasted coffee. It's like words like that, that always, I don't know, kind of seem like a red flag to me. Um, (laughs) but it's like, Oh, if we care so much about, like we clearly care about the future of coffee, but like we don't seem to consider all of the things that go into that. And it's not just about, meticulously roasted coffee it's not just about sourcing the best green coffee we can and that's a whole nother rabbit hole but it just seems like we forget all the other stuff that makes coffee better and the stuff that makes coffee better is people yeah and we we forget to take care of the people or just maybe don't take care of the people um and thank you for for bringing up the you know we've got a lot of work to do but if we all try to do the thing just a little bit um you know we can accomplish a whole lot because that was that was also like the the end of is the theme of the end of the rico chat that we had um yeah um i wanted to talk a little bit about you um and i'm glad that you brought up that you're a capricorn because uh that's i i I love trying to figure out like how people's personalities fit into the work that they do and I was wondering this might be a big question but how do you see yourself in the work that get you some gear does um I thought about this a little bit um I really like tbh I really like to give people stuff (laughs) and I I have I have no money so this is a great a great way to do that and i mean that that ties directly into just really wanting you know the people that i care about to have the things that they need um yeah that's that seems to be a theme in get you some gear in general like of the of of reciprocity because there is no expectation of reciprocity yeah like no. you get a box and that's that's for you that's for you you can have it <laughs> like every every part of this i i want folks to know that you know there's no there's no expectation um like with the you know original get you some gear application you know, for, for baristas, there's, I think there's like eight questions and one of them is like, what's your name? And the other one is what's your address? <laughs> you know, those are the, the hardest questions that, that you really have to answer. Um, cause I think like some programs that I've seen outside of coffee have just asked so much from people and just wanted them to like, you know, bear their souls to get a thing that they should already have access to. And I, I don't like that. And I think that's ridiculous. I just had this conversation with uh, Monsi, who you and I have actually also both texted or uh, DM'd about before. <laughs> and something that Monsi mentioned in her interview, I'm going to assume that Monsi's interview will be out by this time, okay. but it's not out yet. <laughs> um, 
I'll cut that if it's not. Um, but something that Monsi mentioned, um, I forget what the program was, but she mentioned that for the first time, the SCA decided to not require an application for it. They were like, do you need this thing? Cool. We're going to, this is how much of the thing we have. And we're going to put everybody in a lottery. I think it was for Sensory Summit. Oh, no. Cool. So it was It was that. Monty was like, we have 50 boxes to give people for Sensory Summit or something like that. I might be making the number up. Um, <laughs> and instead of, but instead of like this application process, she was like, well, why am I questioning people's need? Like, what proof do they have to give me to say that they need a thing? Like, if they need the thing, they need the thing. Yeah, so, they should just have the thing. <laughs> Yeah, so I think that that kind of mimics a lot of the a lot of the understanding behind get you some gear, and it seems to also speak to the larger theme of what we give people in coffee shops. Like, what do we give our employees? And I bet you the idea of reciprocity comes up in coffee shops a lot. Like, oh, if I train you, then you will be a good barista for me. Like, you will be good in this shop. But if we remove that, if we just say like, I just want you to be the best version of you, then like. Wouldn't that be better? It would be so much better. <laughs> and I don't know, when I think about getting, like, in particular, gifts from coffee shops at around, like, holiday times or, like, as a Band-Aid when something weird happens. Um, and it just feels like there's strings attached to that, you know? Like, I, I don't want there to be any strings like our our get you a grant application was was like very open-ended and similar to the gearbox application it's like do you need the thing okay tell us whatever you want to tell us in your video okay (laughs) so yeah how did you make how did you make decisions on that you mean on the uh on the grant yeah on the grant thing um well we had we had a sweet team of get you a grant. Uh, I don't know what you you would call that. The application review squad. Um, That's pretty good. So I think like you know we had we had forty nine applicants and we picked um, folks that were doing you know mutual aid work in their communities uh, like Means World. Um, we tried to focus on you know gearbox recipients with the LLC boosts, um, and, you know, just, just folks that align with, with our ideals, uh, because, you know, Sydney has smacked me up side the head with a lot of truth lately. Um, and she's like, you know, just because, you know, my identity, our identities intersect with other folks. It doesn't mean that they're necessarily, you know, like, for what we're about um and yeah so the those are the folks we went for and in the you know the first the first five five um recipients from seattle coffee gear were all black women um that's the least protected person in this industry and you know we've we've got to do whatever we can to protect and uplift black femmes when you look at get you some gear what what do you think are the goals because i have to i have to imagine that you've thought about this before but the idea that like it'd be great if get you some gear wasn't necessary you know? <laughs> totally <laughs> yes um 
yeah, I, I, it would be really cool if, you know, coffee shops and, you know, coffee business owners, whatever would provide their staff with the tools that they need, um, to learn more. Um, it would be great if, you know, they, they all, you know, had, you know, wrote taking care of the community into their budgets. Um, it would be great if, you know, they all had policies in place to protect the like best interests of the staff. Um, so there's, there's a lot of layers, I think, to, you know, what gets you has ended up doing and being, um, so I don't, I don't know what, what the goals are, um, in that way. It would, it would be nice for all of those things to be fantastic and not a problem. Um, but they're, they're going to be. And so I, I think we'll, we'll be around. I don't know if that was like a rambly answer <laughs> or no, not. No, that wasn't rambly at all. Everything has uh, like seemingly happened by accident with, with get you some gear. And so I'm just, we just kind of wait for more good accidents to, to happen. What else would you want people to know about you listening to this? Oh Lord. Um, I don't know. I, I'm working on being <laughs> less of a, like, I don't know, not in the shadows might not be a good, a good way to put it, but I, you know, haven't always been like the most like outgoing person or the person that's, you know, had a good, uh, community of people around them, especially like in work environments. Um, and I don't know, I, I just wanted to thank the people that are involved with get you and you know the, the folks that have like signed up to get a gearbox you know the all the people that you know apply to get a grant like i have like i have a community around me now and like i've, I've li- literally never had that before um you know sydney and i wouldn't have been friends without coffee like sally you know either um and I like, I don't know, I don't know how to, 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 to put into words how like much that, that means to me or, you know, how, how much I appreciate that. I, I have, you know, felt like a very lost person for a long time. And because of coffee, like, I don't, I don't feel that way anymore because of the people that I've met in this community. And that makes me so happy. Chris, thank you so much for taking time to chat with me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ashley. (laughs) That was Chris McGauley, founder of Get You Some Gear. If you have gear lying around your house, if you need gear, get in touch with Chris. You can follow them on Instagram at getyousomegear or send them an email at getyousomegear at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. I'm just looking for a better day. Bye.
Boss Barista is produced by me, Ashley Rodriguez. You can find a transcription of this episode on my newsletter, along with an accompanying article about this episode every Thursday at bossbarista.substack.com. To support the show, you can visit www.patreon.com bossbarista. We have over 80 patrons supporting the show right now, which is incredible. And that helps keep the show alive. We pay guests through this fund, we pay for website hosting, and we make donations. Half of our patron donations are currently pledged to five different nonprofits, each at $50 a month. Asada's Daughters, the Loveland Foundation, the Native American Rights Fund, the Grocery Run Club, and the Chicago Community Bond Fund. Again, if you want to support Boss Barista, consider making a monthly donation at www.patreon.com slash bossbarista. Another amazing way to support the show is to share this episode with just one person, a friend, someone who you think would learn something from this episode, anybody. Sharing on social media is also a huge help, along with giving us a five-star review on Apple iTunes. As a small production, these things matter a lot. So if you can take a little time, share out some of your favorite quotes from this episode and tag us, that would be amazing. We're at Boss Barista Podcast on Instagram and Boss underscore Barista on Twitter. You can also send me an email at bossbaristapodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week.